0: Well, good morning Greenwich and welcome to the Friday, June 4th edition of the Basement Academy. Uh, Good to welcome you again for a few moments of spiritual reflection and prayers. We're coming to the end of another week. Where did this week go? Uh, Our morning psalm is one of the pilgrim psalms. It's kind of short, but I love there's some great language in here that's helpful for us to have in our hearts and on our praying tongues. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side when men attacked us, when their anger flared against us, they would have swallowed us alive. The flood would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away praise be to the lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth we have escaped like a bird out of the fowler's snare the snare has been broken and we have escaped our help is in the name of the lord the maker of heaven and earth amen just eight short verses that last verse we've reflected on before our help is in the name of the lord the maker of heaven and earth Uh, The picture here, I believe, is of the Exodus event. If the Lord had not been on our side, rather with Pharaoh and his army, then we would have been swallowed alive. The flood would have engulfed us, perhaps less the Noah flood, but more the flood of the Red Sea. The torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. They passed through, and so there was an escape That's what the Exodus was, an escape from slavery, an escape from Egypt. Paul picks up a little bit on this language. If God is for us, who can be against us? In Romans chapter 8, if the Lord had not been on our side, the Lord is on your side. We need to keep that in mind always. The Lord is on your side. Now, team's pray this all the time, right? Fans, you know, you see before the last second play, you know, fans are clutching their hands and praying. I don't think it's that, but the Lord is with us. The Lord stands with us. When it's us against the world, when the people of faith are being attacked by the world, The Lord is with us. And so the Lord is on your side. And I hope that encourages you today. And I hope you'll remember that as you walk through this day, this weekend, who knows what's coming, what challenge. If the Lord is on our side, who can be against us, right? Okay, let's wrap up uh, some reflections on this opening section. I, I was thinking to move on, but there's just one more little set of reflections. In these opening verses, this one sprawling sentence that comes to us in translated form in many sentences. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of His glory." It's an enormous sentence. It is hard to kind of follow the thought so to break it down. It's Trinitarian, the Father who plans uh, our salvation, the Son who secures our salvation, the Holy Spirit who seals or guarantees uh, our salvation. And this punctuated refrain for the praise or to the praise of His glory. So. Our salvation is not simply for us. It is to the end of God's receiving all the glory. Talked yesterday about uh, predestination, why it's hard for us, why we struggle with it. And I just kind of want to loop back uh, again, just this, this one notion. The tendency is, particularly with Ephesians or Romans or maybe a couple of other New Testament books, we tend, I think, to lose the backstory, the Abrahamic Old Covenant backstory, the the history, the arc of the salvation story. We tend to lose that in certain New Testament books for the sake of theological abstractions. You know, Paul uses a word that gets translated predestined. It's It has to do with acting beforehand, which is hard for our minds to to get around. How How could something have happened before the creation of the world? I mean, that's what Paul says, but he chose us before the creation of the world. Well, how could there be anything before creation? Well, God always has been, is, will be. So the backstory... Now, this is written to a gent- primarily Gentile audience in the city of Ephesus. And again, it's a circular letter, so it's circulating to primarily, primarily, not exclusive, primarily Gentile churches uh, in Asia Minor. And so it, it's intended to be circulated. So there are some general themes as opposed to specific references in particular in this particular church. And so... The Abrahamic backstories in view with Abraham's name never actually being mentioned. Now, in Romans, Paul goes there. He, he speaks of Abraham, okay, but, but not here. But there is this language, verse 3, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That word blessing, Abraham, I'm going to bless you And through you, I will bless all peoples. When we hear the word bless, we shouldn't just think, you know, goodies from heaven, pennies from heaven. We should think Abrahamic promise. So there's this uh, reality of the, the, the blessedness that comes through Abraham, the Abrahamic backstory. Obviously, the language of creation takes us back to Genesis. The language of being a holy and chosen people. God chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight, that takes us back to the Torah, to the law of Moses and the book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus. Uh, In particular, you are a holy people. (laughs) And so there is this chosenness. Um, The language of redemption is an echo of Leviticus. Okay, so uh, the, the redemption or the purchase price is the animal's blood in the old covenant Here it is the blood of Jesus Christ. So the language of redemption. Uh, The times reaching their fulfillment implies there is this long plan that has been unfolding, this story that has been unfolding. And so God made promises that Messiah would come. And so through Jeremiah and uh, Isaiah and others, Micah, you know, we read uh, many of these at Christmas And so this, uh, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament is looking down, looking out into time. And when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son. Paul speaks that in, writes that in Galatians chapter 4. So this language about um, things happening in Christ itself, uh, Christos, the anointed one, is really just the Greek version of Mashiach, Messiah. Messiah. And so the language of Christ, it's not Jesus's last name, like Jesus Christ, like Don Meeks. Christ is the office. It is the title, okay? And so even the language of Christ echoes back to Mashiach, okay, the the Messiah. Um, but I think the clue uh, around the backstory is in verses uh, 11, 12 and 13, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ and then you when you also were included in Christ. The we, you, it doesn't explicitly say it here, but we we turn to chapter two and we'll see that more explicitly. We Jews, you Gentiles. And in chapter two, we're gonna see that God's plan in creating the Jew-Gentile split, it was a temporary plan so that in Christ, the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promise the two are gonna be brought back together into one new family, a united humanity in Jesus Christ. But in order to accomplish his purposes, he had to hedge a people about. He chose Abraham, Abraham's family through you, Abraham. I'm gonna bring a blessing to all the world. And so all this language of chosenness keeps the Abrahamic story in view, okay? So that's, that's what I wanted to, let's make sure we're engaged in the story and not theological abstractions and debates about predestination and when things happen, etc. Okay the chosenness of Jesus Christ is on display here uh, For he chose for the Father chose us in him. and so we're chosen but we're chosen in Christ. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. He predestined us. There's that choosing language, okay? He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the chosen one. He is the chosen one to fulfill the promise to Abraham. He's the chosen one to be this head of a new family, that he is bringing all things in heaven and on earth together under one head. No longer that head of Abraham but now the head of Jesus Christ, who will be the head of Jews and Gentiles together in a reunited family, okay? And so Jesus is the chosen head. He's, uh, the way Paul writes this in Romans is he's the second Adam or the last Adam, okay? First Adam uh, and second Adam. And so as Adam is the father of the human race, Christ is the head, the father of this new redeemed community. So you have Jesus chosen as the fulfillment of Abraham. Everything was moving. All those Abrahamic promises were moving towards Jesus. This this world fractured in heaven and on earth, kind of the fracture that sin brings about. And then the Jew-Gentile split. All of this is being healed and reunited. The, The fulfillment of all things under one new head. I've already mentioned Jesus as the source of every spiritual blessing. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and through you, I will bless all peoples. And so, there is not blessing from God apart from Jesus Christ now. There was not blessing apart from Abraham. But that Abrahamic promise was looking beyond itself, beyond Abraham, to now this Christ. And then Jesus is the chosen sacrifice. Not only is he the priest, not only is he the fulfillment of not the, the greater son of Abraham, but he is also the Passover Lamb. Again, that's not that language is not here, but the backstory is present. And so all things are centering on Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't peripheral to the story. Jesus is central to the story everything if you can picture kind of like a hub and all the spokes all the all the old testament i'm trying to you know point my fingers from all directions the Everything was moving towards Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of Torah, the the prophet like Moses, the greater prophet. He's the greater Joshua. He's the uh, greater son of Abraham. He's the greater son of David. He is the, the great high priest. He is also the Passover lamb. He is the temple in whom the fullness of God dwells. So everything comes together in Jesus Christ. So he is the chosen one. So whatever we think about, predestination and God choosing us, I think we're supposed to understand we're chosen in Christ. that Jesus is the chosen one and that is the path through it. no one comes to the Father but through me. He is the way, He is the path. And so this phrase in Christ is a Pauline favorite to be in Christ is to be joined to Christ to be identified with Christ to participate uh, in Christ to have union with Christ a faith union you are joined with him and so this this Pauline notion of being in Christ uh, uh, you know there's times I'm trying to I, I try to um, communicate this well <clears throat> it's it's an interesting idea. Paul uses it, um, not exclusively, but but nearly so. And it's like you know uh, Noah and his family got in the ark. There was actually a physical location. They were physically inside the ark of safety. Okay. Is that what it means to be in Christ, that we're physically inside of Jesus Christ? I thought Jesus Christ was inside of me, spiritually. So that's why sometimes, so, so it's the image of being inside something, but but it's, it's, it's figurative language, you're not inside, but Jesus is the ark of safety in some way. To be in Christ is to be sheltered from the storm, okay? But, but to be in Christ means to be joined with him. There's this notion of vicarious identification. Now, the word vicarious means that we live through another person. There is this vicarious connection. Often the way to understand it is through our children. So the, I went through this when my children, we've been talking about this recently, just in our family memories and storytelling, how much we enjoyed watching our children through their schooling years and their sports years and their drama and performance years. We had different, each of our kids had their own extracurricular thing they were engaged in. And when your child is up to bat, your child is on stage reciting her lines, your child is there giving his senior recital, you're you're feeling something as a parent. What is that? And you know, there's there's some some excitement and some fear, right? There's pride that swells in your heart, but there's like, oh no, I hope they remember their lines. I hope they hit all their notes. Uh, I hope he hits the ball and gets on base. this, This sense of emotional connection so that when our child succeeds, we feel that success. When our child fails, we feel that failure. And so that, and again, I put success and failure perhaps in air quotes there because all of that is just about forming character, right? Just living. But your parents know what I'm talking about. And we don't have grandchildren, but I assume the same thing happens. You go through this reality. And so there's this emotional connection their experience becomes my experience, the vicarious nature. And some parents are overbearing about that, right? You know, you have to succeed or I will be embarrassed in the stands. And then you get all kinds of junked up stuff that gets the kid on the psychologist's couch, right? It's this notion of the vicarious relationship that Paul is picking up on. So that when Christ died, we died with him. When Christ rose, we rose with him. We are vicariously identified. He is our vicar. Okay, that's that's, a, that's an old title for the pastor. Okay, vicar, you know, the one who is standing in representing. And so Jesus is representing all humanity. When he goes to the cross, he is dying as our vicar. Our sins are on his shoulders. When he rises, his life that now is lived becomes our life. And so we're going to explore this more in, uh, in the coming chapters, but it's this personal identification and faith union and being joined and identifying with Jesus Christ that Paul is getting at. So it's, it's an enormous opening passage. It is theologically rich. There's more to explore. But these are some opening themes that I wanted to get out. Again, the Trinitarian nature of this, the Father, Son, Spirit, planning, securing, sealing, um, and then to the praise of his glory. But this notion of the backstory that is in play, that Paul doesn't lift Abraham into the story because the Gentiles perhaps not fully needing to or understanding Abraham, but he can still speak to these same realities. And then this last one, the verse 14, the spirit is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. That's the language of the old covenant. Israel was God's inheritance. The promised land was the inheritance that they sought, but Israel was the inheritance of God. God is inheriting, God is... Claiming them as his own until the redemption of those who are God's possession. That is the language of Exodus chapter 19. You shall be my treasured possession. That we are God's chosen, blessed people. His possession. He, he yearns for us. He, he delights in us. If the Lord had not been on our side, the Lord is on our side and he's demonstrated that through Jesus Christ in whom we find all of these blessings to be ours. Let's close here and we'll pick up next week uh, with the end of chapter one and we'll sneak into chapter two as well of this great book. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the joy of knowing that you are on our side that you stand with us you have given yourself for us through jesus christ in whom in christ we find our blessings in our joy and our salvation and our forgiveness our adoption into the family our redemption and we find that we are your treasured possession make this known to us in deeper deeper ways that we might walk with greater assurance and hope and confidence, not only this day, but every day. And so we make our prayer in the name of our vicar, in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May you know this day and every day that the Lord is on your side. And may he bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you through Jesus Christ, now and forever. Amen.